Good afternoon and welcome to Vintage Orange. My name is Ellen Bell and I am really happy to be here you here with you today. We're starting another another season or semester or whatever we say here at KUCI and uh, welcome. I'm really excited to be here to start another set of shows uh, talking about local history. That's what we do here. We talk about Orange County history and uh, a lot of times people say, you know, Orange County, Irvine especially, they'll say there's no history here. It's a very new place, but uh, I beg to differ. There's a lot to learn and a lot of times people uh, are new to Orange County, new to this area and they don't realize that there's a lot that was different, quite different, not that long ago. And so I love to share those stories. I love to research it and uh, to share it. And I've had a chance to really talk with a lot of um, other local historians and authors and, and experts in this area. And I always have this feeling when I'm talking to them that I wish other people were in the room with me and they would be able to hear the conversations that I'm hearing. So that's why I'm here. I want to share this with you so that you can learn about the history of Orange County. And today we're doing something really cool, a little bit off the beaten path, but that's okay. Um, that's good. Good way to start. And uh, we're going to be talking. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing on a guest. He's a local guy here on KUCI. He is our local uh, social media guru. Ryan Foland is um, an expert on all things social media, and he has a show here. Actually, it's on Wednesdays. If you didn't hear it this morning, you missed it. You'll have to wait till next Wednesday at, from 8 to 9 here on 88.9 FM and uh, his show is called Get Notified and he will tell you everything you need to know about social media Um, whether you're a branding expert marketing interested in launching your own website or just want to be able to know how the different platforms work uh, you got to tune in and listen to Ryan so Ryan and I recently had a discussion about uh, you know I'm a history person and he's a social media guy and like chocolate and peanut butter I thought we should get together and uh, talk about it. And so we had a discussion where we talked about how social media today is affecting history and not only history of the past, but history we're creating every day, uh, the history that we're curating on our own Facebook feeds, uh, the history that we are reacting to when we see instantaneous 24-hour media uh, feeds and how this is affecting us. And so we had a really cool conversation about it and In tradition with the show, I decided I would preserve it, and we're going to share it with you now. Today, I'm excited because we are going to be learning about history. That is right. The way that social media affects history, the way that history is reflected in social media, and probably some lessons about George Washington and... Some other historical figures as well, but I'm and not sure. teeth. I don't know. <laughs> well, we have Ellen Bell here, who is actually a DJ at KUCI as well. Her show is Vintage Orange, and she is a history buff. Is that correct? That is right. Now, that you do correct. look strong, but I'm sure that <laughs> mentally you have more information here for us than we can handle in an hour, but we're going to fit it into an hour. Okay. So give us the lowdown on yourself, and why are you so excited about history? Well, you know, I think I've, I've got to trace it back. i got to blame my dad, because uh, I grew up with a dad who was a history teacher. And so we spent all of our childhood vacation time um, tra- traipsing around the Midwest in a, the family truckster station wagon. Uh, stopping. Was that the name, the family truckster wagon? It kind of was, yeah. Oh, in our family it was. And... Uh, yeah, we'd stop at every Civil War battlefield and historic marker on the road. And we weren't exactly the Griswolds, but kind of, you know, on that pattern. And he was just passionate about history. 
And his idea wasn't just to go and learn about it in books and things like that, is he really wanted you to feel and sense and experience history firsthand. So we'd, we'd stop at a battlefield or a place and he would tell us about where the troops were coming over the ridge and the smoke was rising and he would he would make it come alive. Yeah. So I grew up thinking about history as not like a, a kind of a dead boring thing in dusty museums, but something that was very vibrant and more of a story than anything else. So, you know, fast forward, I'm a mom, I've got kids, I'm going crazy in the house, and I just start doing these little field trips with my kids. But now I'm living here in Orange County, and I start taking them in the minivan all over the place, and we start learning and doing the same sort of thing, taking them to places where local history occurred, and then making it interesting, lively. Um, Why did these things, not just you know, okay, there's a mission there, but who were the people that lived inside? Why did they do the things that they did and experience it firsthand? So that kind of turned into this just passion for learning about local history. And about four years ago, I got involved. I wrote a book about Irvine history, got involved with the Irvine Historical Society because I live in Irvine (laughs) and started learning about the place that I have lived for almost 30 years and didn't really know. And I started seeing my hometown differently. I started, you know, looking at the hills differently. The roads meant different things because I knew why they were named what they were named. And it just enriched my experience of living here. So now what I love to do is to share that with other people and to get them excited about the history of their hometown, whether it be Irvine. Now I've expanded out to Orange County um, really far. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so what I do on Vintage Orange is we try and talk to people who are kind of the local experts, authors, pioneering residents of Orange County and have them share their story and, and tell us a little bit more of the background. And then tie the, the pieces together so that people can go and visit it today and they'll want to go out and explore and learn more about the place that they live. Explore and learn more through the history, the living history, essentially. Exactly, exactly. And you're repeating the pattern that your father did as far as making this come alive. Absolutely. I was just listening to, I believe it was Kevin and Bean recently, and they had an author on, I don't know the name because I came in late to the show, but he is authoring these books called I Am blank. So I am George Washington. I am Amelia Earhart. Mm -hmm. And it's an attempt to look at history from a, from more of a realistic perspective that's story-based to connect with children. Mm -hmm. So if you look at George Washington and you see him on the Potomac, if that's even right, and it's, everything is, wow, he's amazing. Like, how could he do anything wrong? And I could never be a president. Right. But when you find out that he was awkward as a kid, he didn't do good in school, he liked to dance, like all these things that created stories about real people and then all of a sudden these children go well I'm I'm kind of like that yeah. I'm not that good at math that means maybe I could be the president so it's an interesting look back at history and where I think it's a fascinating subject is how social media has changed the way that we are documenting the history mm-hmm. I mean we're talking about real time history and yes. things like Facebook that are catalysts to civil civil rights movements, let alone uh, overthrowing governments, to this whole Turkey thing that just happened, where a president who is opinionated when it comes to social media, yet uses FaceTime on national television to call people into the streets to fight for his presidency in a coup. It's it's actually, it's playing part in history. It's not, it's no longer, you know, journalism for the sake of reporting it. It's actively creating it. 
you know, and it's it's becoming part of the story instead of just observing the story. And social media is the way that it's it's because it is a personal you know, everyone has access to it. It's global. It's immediate, which I think is probably, you know, I want to pick your brain about that because that's the thing about social media that sometimes um, scares is a bad word, but, you know, is interesting to me about how there's this immediacy of it and how sometimes people can be immediate. I mean, we have presidential candidates tweeting, you know, and, and we've never had this before, you yeah. know, and, and um, the idea that, you have world leaders and people like that that are going to be now kind of just reacting to things is is a really interesting development, I think. Oh, I love you, my brain picks. So we, we will get, <laughs> get your picker out. And I mean, I believe that social media are tools. They're tools in itself, just like a microphone or an old school putting your hands over your mouth to reach further people in the back of the room. Mm -hmm. And the platforms themselves don't create any sort of success. It's the use of these different tools. And going back to uh, historically a famous sort of, I guess, antidote of mine is the question to Abraham Lincoln or some other wise man, you have a certain amount of hours to cut down a tree, what would you do? And you have two options. You have one where you sit there and hack at it for four to five hours. The other is where you sharpen it for four hours and then you spend 20 minutes cutting it down. Mm -hmm. So the tools themselves even have a sharpness to it. And you can have a very ineffective tweet that just goes nowhere in the world, is even misspelled, and then tagging the wrong people and put out into the world at a time where everyone's sleeping. Mm -hmm. So the tools themselves, it's interesting to see as they develop the different tactics that are used uh, for these different toolboxes of politicians. Mm -hmm. And it can, it can work against you, just like some celebrities that forget that they're speaking to the entire world yes, and the yeah. backlash is critical and crazy then you have these new platforms like snapchat they're doing a lot of interesting stuff with the news are you familiar with snapchat at yes all? Okay. I, I i snap you do you're a snapper I, do. I am a snapper i have like three friends though i only snap my kids and <laughs> and thankfully they will allow me to see their snapchat which oh, i think exciting. is tremendous that is that is uh, a <laughs> That is a circle of snap trust. <laughs> snap trust, exactly. Have you played around with the news features or functions or stories? I have. I have kind you, of browsed around with that a little it? bit. Well, you know, again, I I have to come at this old school. You know, I'm not. I, I love the innovation of of social media, but I'm always a little suspect, and I'm thinking, what what is being fed to me? You know, who's controlling, and what? How's the content coming at me, and who's who's curating it? You know what news stories it's are showing up on it my. Is a, it is it's a, a little white, yellow. It is a white <laughs> yellow ghost that wiggles around. They are controlling you because I I don't know the answer to that question, and I think I, I'm curious to know is how do those stories appear on my screen? Who's deciding which ones are going to be there for my consumption that I have to see as an important thing to see? Yeah, well, Snapchat is probably the most authentic platform when it comes to what is curated. Obviously, they have to make money, and there are people spending hundreds of millions of dollars to get in front of these viewers. Mm -hmm. But from a user-generated standpoint, Snapchat is one of the most authentic because there is no algorithm that decides what you're going to see or not. It's if you're following someone, you see what they're posting or you have the ability to. And even then, you've got to go in and dig into it. Recently, they have these scrolling stories where mm -hmm. once you're done with one it used to stop now it just sort of slams you know the next and it takes you half a second to is this that per no and then who's that person 
and you can find out if that's engaging or not. Right, right. But again, Snapchat is just one tool out there. And here at Get Notified, we have this thing called the GTO. So the GTO is the grandma timeout. <laughs> okay? So if you were to describe Snapchat to your grandma from yes. your own experiences, what would you describe Snapchat as? It's a way to take pictures that disappear instantaneously. So it's just kind of a little glimpse of what somebody's doing without the, the fear of having it follow you forever and be perfect. Right, right. I think Grandma understands that. <laughs> what are your social media platforms that you use personally other than Snapchat? Um, well, I use, I guess I'd say I prim primarily use Facebook. That's probably the one that I, you know, that was my gateway drug to social media would be right. Facebook. Um, I use Instagram quite a bit. Social media, as we all know, is is part of everyday life in this country. A lot of people are not interested in a brand. They're not opening a business. They just want to stay in touch with their friends. They just like it's become a pastime. It's become an obsession. It's the it's the history of what happened yesterday. It's the history of what happened earlier uh, in the week. It's, it's kind of a a living documentary of what's going on with people's friends and and things right, like that. Right, right, which is fascinating because and then there would be those people that say, "Well, is it really history or is it just what you're presenting to be your history?" You know, the the joke about, you know, the Facebook, we all are striving to live the lives that we show on Facebook. Right. You know, that obviously people aren't putting out there their their difficult things or some people are and you kind of wish they didn't, but <laughs> uh, but it's it's generally your your lovely scrubbed life and um, you know I'm the same way I'm not going to put a picture on Facebook that I don't like a picture of myself so we're all curating our lives now don't you think that's happened in the past and I'm not going to talk about like a big ancient book but for relative history's sake I mean how much is picked and chosen of what makes the history books what doesn't and even in our recent past you've got major events that are somehow left out of the you know the educational institution and, and they sort of are overlooked and you know I mean culturally rubbing information that we've been fed and feeding people for a long time history is vulnerable I think to interpretation and and I think this media uh, the fact that we can communicate so rapidly and sometimes without thought behind it yes <laughs> that uh, sometimes things evolve and the stories get tweaked and twerked and changed right, around. Right, it's an operator and, game, right? Where and, I tell somebody and they tell somebody, yeah. especially like living oral histories of things, exactly. change very quickly. And, you know, there there was some of this back in the day before media and all the technology caught up to it where, you know, you'd have a story that went from rumors would get passed from the Pony Express and all of this and through media accounts and people were getting their news stories that were very uh, biased and one-sided and rumors and all of this. I and mean, even a literacy level probably had a lot to do with that as well, right? Sure. I mean, it, you, it, it, there always has been some element of storytelling with our history. But the thing that I find really interesting right now is what people are willing to accept as fact because they see it on well, if it's on the internet, a it's Twitter true. feed. It's yeah. true if it's on the internet. And this <laughs> this kind of frankly terrifies me a bit because I, I see I don't see the fact checking. I don't see the the sourcing. I don't see you know journalism now. Um, you have so many excellent journalists that are losing their jobs because the media industry is changing and being replaced by content providers that are cutting and pasting and sourcing and, and not really doing the work themselves. And 
so a lot of what we see as being historical fact or reported, it's a bit sketchy at times. And um, that makes me a little bit nervous, frankly. I mean, I, I'll tell you an example. At the Historical Society, the Irvine Historical Society, we get approached quite often by businesses that are wanting to get pictures of Irvine for their bank lobby or their new hotel they're opening and they want to have a picture of Irvine in it. And, you know, so they'll send me an email with some pictures that they found. We found these pictures of Irvine. Well, they're not of Irvine. They found them. They Googled something. (laughs) They Googled images. So one of them was Irvine in Scotland. And I'm like, this is not even here. Right. You know, but they... But they were ready to put that on the wall in their business and say, this is Irvine, or or they'd have the dates completely wrong. And, and you know, it's because they copied and pasted a story that was copied and pasted, and nobody really had, you know, we'd gotten too far away from the truth. And that scares me a little bit, because I don't know if it just moves so fast, or people rely on, they just have confidence in Wikipedia, or they grew up as it being the authority, right? You used to look up something in the dictionary, right. now you just Google it. Yeah. I mean, the Googling phenomenon. I got in a fight with Google the other day trying to come up with an answer, and one of my guests was Googling it and reading it, and I was arguing. I was like, it was a hashtag Google fight. So, <laughs> <laughs> so of course. It, it, it is an interesting point, and perception is reality to some extent. So yeah. whether somebody sees a landscape that they thought was Irvine and it's not to them maybe even chemically it's like giving them the same warm fuzzy feelings but you're right there's a total it's facade behind it. I mean, yeah and I guess okay truth can be there's some level of relevance you know truth is what you make of it and what you see in perception but there has to be the further away we get from it there has to be that foundation in the real fact, you know, that really happened. And yes, you can have interpretations about whether it was a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, we can debate that. And I have absolutely, I think that's why we're human beings with our own brains and our own perceptions. But we can't debate that it happened at this date and this fact and this, you know, that we have to have something that we agree on. And that I feel really passionate about making sure we get the facts straight. <laughs> yeah. Now, the a very analogous point about authenticity when it comes to images and facts is following. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this concept of, you know, who cares about your following, but intrinsically you do care about your following because you're using that as constant reassurance. But as of the recent couple years, you can buy your following. Oh, sure. Yeah. There's a lot of auto generation and machines and bots and things that are uh-huh. out there that are following to create an interaction that okay. then creates a follow back. And there's thousands of those out there. You have to kind of go into social media knowing with a bit of a caveat, right? Don't believe everything you see, mm-hmm. but there are tools to check and verify. And a lot of times you can just sniff it out. If you have somebody with you know, thousands of followers, but no engagement. Nobody likes any of the tweets. It could be disingenuous. I'm I'm just really curious about it as a as a social statement about where we, the times that we live in, about the need for people to document their lives. And and I'm not saying this as an outside observer, by the way, by any chance. I mean, I'm I'm guilty as charged. But what is it that makes us all our own historians today? Why do we feel that 
you know, we have to be documenting things. Why do we have to be taking pictures of ourselves? Why do we have to be? And if we don't, we somehow feel like we're not involved or plugged in somehow. It's a it's a sense of keeping up with the Joneses. To some yeah, extent. I mean, it's it's kind of wild, isn't it? I mean, I can't imagine. I can't remember another time when we felt so compelled to to share so much about our personal lives, and yet we aren't really sharing it personally we're not really telling we're not all in a room together sharing these things we're it's kind of like this anonymous uh sharing yeah hey hey look at me and then uh within three minutes it's bombarded by a bunch of others yeah and then you get some of these rock star celebrities that have so much influence over so many people just based on this sharing and that kind of goes to this crazy brand washing and marketing component product placement, influencer marketing. Yeah. Literally, I think Kim Kardashian charges like a half a million dollars to put one tweet with your product, but people see a return on it because all of a sudden now it's cool. And it's it really gets more to, I think, of a sociological yes. experiment uh, mixed with history. I mean, history, it's like a living history, but it's really a sociological mixed with psychological because you have young kids that are now straight up first toy is an iPad and they are super proficient and it's like that's what they grew up with. I grew up where I spent my summers in Catalina and played with rocks and like pretended to have stuff. <laughs> so I come from a unique very analog got a pager in high school and then the first flip phones and then it turned to a cell phone then smartphone then laptop then iPad and like I've seen that transition. Right. But people coming in now people that are born today they're going to get the iPhone 7 Oh, uh, and, and the eight and the nine. And I look at, you know, my, my niece and nephew, and then I have, you know, they're having children, and I see these kids. These kids are constantly on camera. I swear they're going to grow up feeling like an iPhone is supposed to be flashing in their face. Yeah. Or else, what if, if not, what's wrong? Why isn't anybody taking my picture? Yeah. Because they are constant. their whole life's being documented. And, and, I mean, I love it because I love seeing these pictures and I love seeing, I think there's a wonderful way that we can all stay connected. I mean, the, the positive part about social media is that the world has gotten smaller with people that we love and, you know, my sisters live across the country and I can still see them and see what they're doing and and I love that. I like being connected in that way. Um, I like having friends that I can be connected with that maybe... I wouldn't that I would have lost touch with years ago and it's nice to be able to have those connections still but I don't know it, it's it's just well here's the thing history determines the future so you get to tell us what's going to happen then based on the history <laughs> based on the history historically speaking has there been any other revolution uh, technologically that we can make an analogy to about bringing people closer together and I, how is it just so far off the mark we're like we're not even we don't even have a historical reference well, right I now I think what what it feels like to me is that there's been nothing that has reached the speed of this and sure you can talk about the industrial re revolution change things dramatically when you know when people moved to the cities and socially everything changed in that way and people were much closer together and all of that you had some speed and things like that but I don't think you can compare anything. I mean, I suppose with with uh, you know with media, the advent of television and telephone things that happened. I mean, the things that happened in my grandmother's lifetime, 
um, with, with before telephones to up through space launches and things like that and into early computers and internet. I, it's amazing to me the, the, the shift that happened so quickly. How important is this, is understanding where grandma was and life before phones, how important is the documenting of that history, the understanding of that history, and it being accurate to sort of what's going on? Because I don't know, I mean, this is your challenge, right? How do you get people in Irvine to be concerned or care about what happened, you know, 100, 200 years ago? And are you finding that they actually care? Is there going to be a revolution to sort of go back to the anti-phone? Well, I have, I have actually seen people wanting to get back to a simpler way of looking at things. And um, they, we've had a lot more interest of just recently in the last few years, even of people coming into Irvine and to our historical society, because the city is, is around, it's been around, you know, close to 50 years now. There've been people living here for UCI 50 years. is officially 50. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and so you're getting to an age where they can now see it as historic. You know, there's something, it's not all brand spanking new. And there is a generations now that are kind of like, well, what was here before? And, there is people are having a hunger i think to know about what life was in a slower simpler time um well let's whet the appetite for people what are some some interesting facts i have one question i don't want to put you on the spot but orange county was named orange county before there were even oranges that is absolutely true i want to know about the second first and the first second (laughs) so oranges we were named orange county I think most people think it's because we have orange groves. Well, of course. I mean, isn't that a logical thought? I mean, yes, of course just would... like the picture that I thought was was from Irvine was actually was from, from Scotland. Scotland, yeah. yeah. No, um, it was a marketing ploy, and uh, because at that time when they were deciding, they were you know Orange County finally becomes its own county, and they're trying to decide what to name it. And you know, you had Anaheim originally wanted to have it named after them because they were the first city here, first settlement. Um, but at the time, they were trying to get people to come out here and settle, and the idea of of oranges had this very exotic uh, Mediterranean look. People were looking for a place for health reasons. Some of them wanted to find a place that drier climate, the sunshine, and so they thought, okay, let's call it Orange County. Because so it's just a straight up, straight up marketing. Straight up marketing. What I think is interesting is not only what history says, but what people think, right? Mm -hmm. What people think, and I'm actually taking on a pretty exciting large-scale project. Uh, Are you familiar with the TEDx, Mm -hmm. TED and TEDx? So TEDx LA is coming up December 3rd and 2nd and 3rd, and I made a proposal not for a speech, but for a city experiment, and it got accepted, and I call it the City of Speakers. Hmm. And it's my attempt at capturing the voice of Los Angeles. And what I'm doing is I'm collecting at a minimum 100, and I'm already well on my way. Uh, we launched about five or six days ago, just September 1st. And the concept is to find uh, a cross-section of Los Angeles that's like a universal voice. And it doesn't even have to make sense. It's going to be like an art project where the paint are people's voices. And I think that people's voice is the most powerful thing they have. But the challenge is a lot of people don't feel like they have a voice or... It's not important. Or it's not important. Mm-hmm. And we size people up all the time and we go, well, who, who cares what that person thinks because they're that or they're this or mm-hmm. that. So it's kind of an effort to just go through the process and, and learn and be humbled by the just hundreds of thousands of different experiences that people are facing and what their voice is and then smash it all in together 
and it probably is not going to make any sense and and that's what's exciting about it because it'll take its own form because you don't know where you're going to end up at the end of it that is wonderful it's kind of like the anti-history where I'm not basing this in any fact or reality it's sort of whatever this weird world has created like what what does it mean to us right now I actually think that's that's more historic is is actually capturing the authentic uh, pulse of people rather than having it fed to you in certain in a Twitter feed, you know, but actually yeah. to go out there and talk to people as individuals. That that is one other thing that I I feel in this massive media discussion that we all live in constantly 24 hours a day that we sometimes lose this this sense that we're actually talking to individual people. It seems like this big monolith huge discussion and you know, one wave of opinion will sway, and what you know, it's it's all these giant. Yeah, it's trending or it's and, not or yeah, here and polling or whatever. And I think sometimes if we we lose track of the fact that if you just take five people in a room, and you say, okay, what do you think about this? And what do you think? And and I'm not going to tell you if you're right or just what do you think about this? Yeah. And and can look at people. I think we've lost the humanness of our these discussions that we've lost our ability to see people as individuals and instead of as a demographic or a, a political party or a age group or a race that we aren't just looking at people as humans with which we share so many needs and wants and drives that are common i think there's so much more common in people than there are disparate between us and right now everybody just sees the differences in what's not them and I think if people could get to something like your project where they are able to just okay what do you think and what do you think depending on regardless of yeah we're not looking for right answers because exactly no, there no is right no and that we would be able to look at people and go you know what I don't agree with you but I see why you feel that way because you're a human you know this is what yeah. brought and a you mom from opinion. Compton is going to have a different perspective yeah. than somebody from Newport or and from somebody who's a CEO or somebody who's a, a struggling busboy so when you look at history from a perspective as it was made by human beings it was experienced by human beings that's when you can really get to the baseline of why things why did maybe things happen you know why did certain leaders come to power why did certain wars happen why did certain uh, governments rise and fall that that there were very human people like you got back to the beginning uh, talking about I am George Washington or I am a character yeah, you're right these are these were living breathing people that experienced these things they weren't just pictures in a gallery or names in a book and if we can get back to feeling like not only the people before us were human, but the people we're living with now are human, yeah. then maybe we can actually learn from each other and move forward in a way that's productive and not just a bunch of noise. Very cool. Well, I learned some stuff today and hope you did too, all of you out there that now are going to second guess before you hit the send button because every <laughs> single tweet, every single Snapchat, every single thing you do is creating the history of it the future. It has meaning, exactly. It has meaning. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes. Well, I'd love to hear your voice again and we'll do coffee and we'll see how we can collect other voices, get people excited about the history of Orange County. And ladies and gentlemen, Orange County did not start with oranges, it's but true. we have plenty of them now and that should be a lesson to you. If there's not something there, grow it thank you to ryan Follen from kuci's get notified check him out on wednesday mornings from eight to nine here on kuci i am ellen bell and i thank you so much for joining me this week on vintage orange check with me next week and stay tuned for more